Good stuff. That's, that's great. Well, we are, we're rejoicing today, uh, celebrating grace, what God's done here. Really, that's been the whole theme. We're wrapping up the series, Unshakable Joy, as we've walked through Philippians, catching every verse all the way through. We're going to pick it up at the last, very last part of the last verse, which is in chapter 14. We're going to take it from there. And what we're going to see is this continual emphasis in joy. He, Paul continues that on in Philippians 4, just as he has been doing the exact same thing. And we left off last time. Uh, Zach was teaching us uh, how God places a, prior, a priority on us having contentment and then what that really means and, and some mistaken applications of some verses. Good stuff. And uh, now we're going to close everything out. And basically, Paul ends with just another round of rejoicing. Just what he's been saying all through his book. Uh, he says it in chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. What we've been singing about, again, I say rejoice. And, and he's telling that, he's telling us as believers, he's telling the church in Philippi, he's telling us, we can rejoice in God. We can rejoice in our relationship with him. Why? Well, because he saved us. Because we don't deserve to have a relationship with him. But he made a way. He loves us. He wants connection with us. He invites us in to that. And, and we don't have to earn it. We don't have to wonder wh whether we've attained it or not. He offers it through grace. It's, it's a gift that he, he gives to us if we simply will respond to him in faith. And uh, that's what it means to be a believer. Hard times, rejoice. God will be with you. Losing hope, rejoice. We know the end of the story. Nothing could be better for us. Rejoice. We have an eternity with God. Rejoice. God invites us to know him more fully day by day. Rejoice. God wants us to walk through life with him every day. Do life. Celebrate life with God. That's what God wants for us. We've kind of been watching, a lot of us, the Olympics, right? We're seeing how that's kind of wrapping up. I just, just caught a little snippet uh, last night, uh, right before I went to bed. I was kind of looking at, just flipping some, I have a couple different channels with the Olympics on it. And I caught uh, the high jumping. I don't know if you saw that, not pole vaulting, but the high jumping. And, and there was a, a United States lady, I was just there at the tail end. And it was, it was the last jump of the event. United States lady was jumping. I didn't get to catch her name. And uh, she jumped and she knocked the bar down. And she landed. It was her last attempt. And, and you could just see the disappointment in her face as she kind of hit the cushion. And then, after about three or four seconds, her countenance completely changed. She kind of lit up and she smiled. She knew she didn't get a medal. She was fourth place, out of the medals. And then she looked over to some other lady from some other country. I didn't catch it all. Again, I just saw this little clip where she realized that she had gotten the gold medal. And so she had her country's flag and she was rejoicing in that like we see all the gold medal winners doing. And then this lady from representing our country just looked at her with joy on her face. And a few minutes later, they met together on the, kind of on the track. 
and they embrace. They embrace for like a full minute, you know, while the camera's just still on. And, and this, this lady, they were both just in joy. You know, we expect that when, to win the medal. Here, this lady just seemed to have genuine joy for this other person who won a gold medal. I don't know if that lady's a believer, but I'm, I'm watching her. I'm thinking, this lady's got to be a Christian. You know, we, we see, we've been watching now for weeks, people win medals, and then when they win the gold, you know, it's, it's their dreams come true. They've attained the highest place. We see some people giving testimony to God. What, what a great platform. Athlete after athlete pointing people to God. But we expect the rejoicing, right? But you realize that if you're sitting here and you're a believer today, you have more reason to rejoice than winning a gold medal, right? I mean, we get that, right? We, we, God is giving us, even though we don't deserve it, an eternity with him forever. We, we can't buy it. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. It's a gift given to us. And it's a sure thing. It's a rock-solid promise. And so we live each day knowing the end of the story that God, who is ultimately in control of all things, has promised us an eternity with him in joy in a place that he's designed for us to live forever with him. Well, so that's how he raps. You know, Paul, he's saying, rejoice always. And then as he kind of does, as he wraps his letter up, we'll, say that we, we'll see that Paul's also showing us that we can rejoice in giving. Rejoice in giving because he, he kind of, he goes back to what the church in Philippi has done for, for him and his ministry. And we pick that up in verse 14 as we close out the letter. He says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. So here Paul, he's, he's telling them, hey, I, I crossed over into Europe, first city I landed in Philippi, Met those ladies out at the river, preached the gospel, a church was born, I moved on. And then the next thing he mentions, I moved on out of the area of Macedonia into Corinth. And there you guys supported me. And then he points out, hey, not only did you support me when I went to another region, Corinth. You supported me before I even left Macedonia in another little town nearby Philippi called Thessalonica. Where we still su we support a missionary there today. He goes... You, you supported me there, you supported me there, you've been with me the whole time and now you're, you're sending to meet my needs as I'm in house, under house arrest in Rome. And so, and Paul's telling, and it's kind of interesting to look at the wording here because Paul doesn't just say, hey, thanks. Paul says, you've done well. He, he uses this this different phrase of saying this, because it, it kind of reminds us of a teacher talking to his, a student, a protege, saying, hey, you've done what you should have done. You've, you've followed through 
the way you should have followed through. You followed through in a way that shows the evidence of your faith, your growth in Jesus. So it's not just a thank you. It's a, an acknowledgement with a good job way to follow through. And he rejoices in their giving. He rejoices in what they've done to help him do his ministry as, as he's about God's business. He rejoices that they've sacrificially given to promote God's agenda. And it's the same way here at Grace. We also can rejoice in giving. We can rejoice as we give. But we can also rejoice in knowing and, and looking around to see what God has has done. We can rejoice in giving. And we should. Right here at Grace, rejoice in what God has done. Rejoice in our giving. I mean, today, after this service, we're going to move into this other area of our building, our student center. Uh, that's here this year because many of you have sacrificially started giving a few years ago. To make that happen. So I haven't paid for it yet, but still, we're still working on that. But you made it happen. And because of that, we're reaching more teenagers than we've ever reached before. It, significantly more. Impacting more students than we've ever impacted before. Happen, happening right now. And we saw it as soon as we opened up, that all changed. Um, through your giving, we, we support missionaries all over the world. You know, missionaries in, in every continent supported by you guys here from Fremont, Ohio. And not only missionaries, but as you guys know, we have a couple of orphanages supported totally by this church, Grace, in Thailand. And, you know, sometimes we show pictures. We have a few pictures. We probably don't do it enough. But these are our students that we've watched grow up over the years as we've built two orphanages, support all these kids. And, and they all started out young, and now we're just getting into the season where some of our students are just now graduating. This is their last year of school. And a lot of orphanages, what happens is when a, a student turns 18, they're, they're kind of out. They graduate school, hopefully. They turn 18. They're out. They're an adult. And then they kind of start off all over but we're trying to actually launch them. So our dorm parents, are, they are figuring out, they're um, interacting with students, figuring out what their aptitudes are, what their interests are, and uh, channeling some of them to, to prep for college. Some of them are choosing to do vocational uh, training. But whatever it is, we're trying to invest in them to launch them into the world, into their world, into into Thailand in a country that's less than 1% Christian. And we believe that as these students uh, grow up, become adults, and get launched into their communities, that they will be a force for Christianity. And we'll see more and more people come to Christ. You know, that's what God has done for us. And, and we not only rejoice in giving, but Paul's reminding us we rejoice in what God has done and what God is doing. 
I mean, that's what Paul brings them back to as he's kind of wrapping up. The next verse here is verse 17. He's saying, rejoice in what God does and even what God does in a response to giving. He, he, he starts here in verse 17. He says, not that I... Here's what he's trying to do. He's commending them for their gift. But he's not wanting to do that in such a way where it sounds like, hey, good job, I could use some more of that. He's actually saying, hey, good job, way to go, I'm commending you, but I'm good now. Here's the way he says it, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases your account. But I, have, and then he's going to explain how he's good, he's going to say it in triplicate. He says it this way, he does this sometimes. But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. Did you catch it? Everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And then he's going to talk about what those gifts meant to God, and he's going to do that in triplicate. So here it goes. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. He's saying, theologically, this is how God views your sacrificial gifts. Fragrant aroma, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, well-pleasing to God. And then he says, my God and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So he puts out this triplicate, I'm good, and then triplicate, here's what your gift means to God. And he's saying, hey, here's what God's going to do for you. And now he says this a couple of different times in the passage we're looking at today. Basically, that God will supply their needs. And he means that in two ways. First of all, primarily, he's talking about spiritual. But we see before he closes out that he's also specifically talking about material and financial. And what he's saying is, hey, God, God, rejoice God will meet your needs. Those of you who are, are called to advance God's agenda, he will meet your needs, first of all, spiritually, that's the most important, but also he will meet your needs financially and materially. Your needs is what he's saying. And he just, he puts that out there. And he's, he's telling us, hey, I, pr I appreciate what you've done for me, but what really excites me is, is how this increases your account, what this means to God, how God's going to respond to your sacrificial giving, how he will respond to you, is what Paul's pointing out here. The profit which increases to your account is what he's saying. And what he's telling us is he's reminding us that as God meets all of our needs, he'll do it according to his unlimited resources as creator God of the universe. And so he's saying rejoice. Rejoice in giving. Rejoice always. Rejoice in what God's doing. And it's the same thing for us. He's saying rejoice. He's going to powerfully meet our needs. He's also telling us rejoice in what God does. Well, rejoice at what God does as he changes lives. What does God do? Well, he meets our needs. You can rejoice in that. Rejoice in what God does. What's he do? He meets our needs. But he also changes lives. That, that's, that's, and he, he brings that up right here. Look at verse, verse 20. 
He says, now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He's sort of the doxology, kind of closing things out there, but he's not done. Then he gives this final salutation. It says this, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Some things we want to notice there is, first of all, the word saint. Word saint's gotten a little confused these days, right? People are, you know, we've, we've, I don't know what we've done to that word, but we've messed it up. Saint does not mean super Christian. Saint does not mean already dead. Saint does not, Paul uses saint to describe Christians in general. So Paul, if you're sitting here and you're a believer today, Paul would say you're a saint. You're probably thinking, I ain't no saint. But Paul says, yeah, you're a saint because you're, you're a believer. You're a follower of Christ. Saints are not people that you pray to. Again, not, not super Christians, just believers. And that's how he opened the book, remember? He, he wrote this to the saints in Philippi. Saint, that's all saints where saint means in the Bible. It's kind of interesting the way he totally wraps. He says, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Most of the time, he says, and the grace of Jesus Christ be with you. But, but a few times, four times in the Bible, this being one of them, he says, may the grace of Jesus be with your spirit. And we're not making a huge distinction there. We don't know exactly what the nuance of that is. Just saying, hey, God's grace be with you. But what I most want you to see is the life change in here. Remember, Paul crosses into Europe. He first land, you know, he, he, the first town, Philippi, establishes a church. Then Thessalonica, still in the Macedonia region. Believers there. And then Corinth, and that's a mess. But strengthening the church there, winning people to Christ there. And he has this heart for Rome. It's the Roman Empire he's trying to reach. And then remember, he got arrested. We've talked all about this backstory. And then the next thing you know, he's sent to Rome. And now he's in, under house arrest. He's chained to a Praetorian guard. And, and so that's his life. He's got some freedom to communicate. And he's got freedom to witness. Freedom to share his faith. Freedom to talk to people about Jesus. And anytime he's doing that, the guard's hearing that too. If he's not speaking directly to the guard, they're catching the whole conversation anyway. But he knows he's going to be... He, he's waiting for his trial. He's waiting for the answer from Caesar. He knows he's going to meet Caesar face to face. So he's waiting for the day to share the gospel with the emperor of the land. But before that even happens, he's letting this church in Philippi know the first church in Europe that he was at. Hey, the saints in Caesar's household, they send their greetings He's talking about the slaves, the freed slaves or the freedmen. He's talking about the Praetorian Guard, the people, the, the family, all the people associated with Caesar. Many of them have heard the gospel and many of them have responded in faith. And he's saying, hey, those who are of the faith, those people who are Christians, those people who are saints, believers in Caesar's household, they send their greetings as well. And we see the gospel. Not only invading the most powerful empire on earth, but invading the household of the most powerful man, most powerful ruler on earth at the time, Caesar.
saying, look what God's doing. Look what God has done. We can rejoice in that. You know, it's the same thing here at Grace. We look around and we continue to see what God is doing in people's lives. Life change is what we're all about in grace. A lot of times uh, on this day, because this is a day that we're, we're celebrating grace, a lot of times we kind of talk about where we've been, where we're at, where we're going. I, I know last year, um, our Sunday morning attendance in, in 2015 averaged 1,815 people in the building on Sunday morning. That was our Sunday morning average with summer and everything else. That's kind of how we landed. And we baptized over 100 people. We saw 400 people indicate salvation. That's what God did in the calendar year of 2015. Now we're more than halfway through 2016. And as far as our attendance is concerned, we're more than 100 people ahead every week of where we were last year. Uh, we've had 39 people come to Christ so far. I'm sorry, 39 people uh, baptized so far, but, but we have our outdoor baptism uh, coming up this next month. And maybe that's something that you should be a part of, but outdoor baptism coming up on September 11th. And so we expect to see a, a lot of people then. And uh, we see God impacting people uh, all over grace. Um, over 200 people have indicated salvation so far this year. Man, I got to tell you, in our community, uh, it's kind of awkward sometimes just to talk about numbers because people kind of push back on that a little bit, especially people from smaller churches, and, and they can be real critical about that. But when we talk about numbers at Grace, we're very aware of the fact that each number that we're talking about represents a person, a life that's been changed forever. Each number, when we talk about salvation, it's, it's, it's not the number. It's not just a number. It's a person who will spend eternity with God. And we want to see lives changed here at Grayson. And I know many of you do, and, and, and some of you, maybe you don't get to see that as much, but I, I can tell you, every week here at Grace, we see people come to Christ, we see people's lives changed by Him forever. That they become believers and then they're discipled in that they learn more about God and their lives conform to his image. We, we see that happening all the time. They, people come, become closer to God, mature in their faith. And as Paul's writing about the people have heard the gospel and many in Caesar's own household has come to faith. 
I just kind of want to throw out a, a reminder for you. We know that not everyone sitting here today is a believer. And if, if you can't look back to a time where you cross this line of faith, realizing that your sin, what you've done wrong, has separated you from a righteous and holy God, and because God is perfectly just, God's saying there is consequences for, for our sin. And because of who God is, those consequences are eternal. They're, they're huge. But God loves us anyway. And he's made a way for us to be forgiven and reconciled back to him, even in his righteousness. And he did that by allowing his one and only son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago to come, live a perfect life, and ultimately, voluntarily, give up his life on the cross to pay your penalty for sin and my penalty for sin. And if we'll just respond to him in faith, and what I mean by that is that we believe who Jesus is, the very son of God, and we trust in what he did, that his sacrifice on the cross was enough to pay it's paid in full regarding our sins. Our account is paid in full and we can be forgiven. And justice is served because our sin has been punished. It's just that Christ took our punishment for us. He's the only one qualified. He's the only one who didn't have sin of his own. And so if you've not come to the point in your life where you're trusting in Christ, that's the most important decision that you could ever make. And even on this day, when we're celebrating and rejoicing, if you're a little fuzzy on that or you have questions about that, that's the most important decision you could ever make. So we will always take time to talk to you about that. So what that means today is after the service ends in a few minutes, I'm going to be back there in that corner room. It says room one. Those double doors will be open. Uh, there might be a couple other pastors back there with me, and we'll be happy to answer any question you have about how to establish a relationship with Christ. And we're telling you, God promises once you do that, it will last forever. So don't let that go by. I think I've shared this before, but uh, my habit during the week is that I come in here, and I usually don't even turn on the lights. I kind of feel my way down here before my eyes have adjusted it, and I usually pray down, usually over here. And... Uh, and then while I'm praying, my eyes adjust. And so when I'm done praying, I can see, even though it's dark. And I look at, at all the empty seats, and just about every time, I'm struck every week, during the week, struck by the, the miracle that God has done here at Grace. Um, just to say, it's not normal for a church of our size to be in a town of our size. Uh, God's doing something different here. And it's just neat to be a part of it. And as I walk out down this aisle, after I've been praying, I'm telling you, this happens sometimes multiple times a week, but I'm just struck and thankful that God has done what he's done. That Years ago, you know, 14 years ago, when our church wasn't half our size, 
people committed to sacrifice and give to build this, to make a place for the, the people, in, for people in our community to come. And now we're in three services. It's just neat to be part of that. One other thing is, I'll just remind you, outdoor baptism's coming up. Once we become a believer, God's idea, God's command is that we follow him in believer's baptism. So, if since you made the decision to become a Christian through faith, if you've not since that time been dunked under water, believer's baptism, then you need to do that. And here, here's, so here's what you can do. You can grab one of those cards, even though you already filled one out. You did fill one out, right? Yeah, grab one of those cards, put your name on it, just your name, maybe a phone number. Flip it over, and there's a, on the middle of the back, it'll say baptism. Just put a big check or a big X right there, baptism. And then after the service is over, even though there's going to be a lot going on, drop it at the, info, the information center right out these doors. Or if you're heading this way because you're hungry, uh, drop it off. We're selling T-shirts right inside that wall. You could drop it off there. Um, but we're excited about what God's going to do. And God's given us, we've, we've, been ta- we've talked about a few weeks ago, the tremendous, weird, freaky, I think is the word I used, right? Freaky unity we have at Grace. A few weeks ago, we talked about how the older generation who sort of launched us, who, who brought us to this point maybe 15 or 20 years ago, they're still here. They didn't leave. They're with us in this. And the unity that, that uh, that's brought. Boy, I kind of took us down, didn't I? I mean, we were celebrating before, I, before I, that last part, right? Well, I'm going to have Jay come and, uh, and with, his, with Grace Music. And they're going to kind of close us out after I pray in just a moment. Just want to remind you again about what's happening. Uh, if you want, first of all, most importantly, if you, you want to talk about your faith or how to establish that relationship right in here, I'll be there in about... Two minutes uh, after you're dismissed, or one minute after you're dismissed, I'll be there and I'll be happy to meet you there or one of our other pastors. But also just be praying about the impact we're trying to make. We have these invite cards and everything. That's to make it easier for you to invite your neighbors, your friends, uh, people that you know, co-workers, uh, to come to Grace. There's a lot of political stuff going on. People are talking about it, right? Yeah, I lost you, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, people are talking about it. And so if you have one of these invite cards, hey. You should, come to, you should come to my church. We're talking about but it's no spin. It's just Jesus. Come and check it out. And uh, we're going to have a great time together. And we're, we're excited to see what God's going to do at Grace this fall. Let's stand together and uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for the day. And Lord, uh, we're amazed at what you've done for us. As individuals and allowing your son to die for us, you love us that much sacrificially that you would uh, at great cost redeem us so that we could be reconciled to you uh, simply through faith. And we thank you for that greatest gift. And, And Lord, we also thank you for Grace Community, a place where we could come together in joy, in unity, and and serve you and pool our resources and impact our kingdom. Lord, impact your kingdom by impacting our community. 
And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to do that. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for the joy that we have. Thank you for the food, the meal uh, that you're providing for us today and the joy we'll have as we share it together. In Christ's name we pray, amen.